You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Because of their radical faith, when they became, when they encountered the Holy Spirit, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Just ordinary men and women. Ordinary men and women that had the same issues that you and I have, they have the same shortcomings that you and I have, but had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, were transformed and then transformed the lives and the hearts of nations. And, uh, and you know, it's encouraging. This series is meant to be encouraging. It's not to say that, you know, you need to do all of this, but it's encouraging to say that all that you need is an encounter with the Holy Spirit and to be ready to see what God can do for your life. And who knows, in 200 years, somebody might be preaching about you. Somebody might be preaching about your family. Somebody might be preaching about the encounter that you had and what you did to bring revival to the nation of Australia and the nations of the world. Do you believe that this morning? Or are you just here to hear a nice, fluffy talk? Okay, no fluffiness. If you walk into Westminster Abbey in London, it probably smells a bit weird, it's pretty old, but if you walk into Westminster Abbey in London, you will find the graves and the tombs of some of the most influential men and women in the British Empire, from scientists to poets to kings and queens And then if you move to the north transept, there's a man buried there amongst prime ministers who had one of the most profound impacts on Western culture in the 18th and 19th century, not just for Christianity, but for the world. I'm talking about a man by the name of William Wilberforce. And many of you may know who he is, but William Wilberforce, for those who don't, was a British politician who for over half a century with others alongside, brought to an end slavery in the entire British Empire, in all of, the col- all of the colonies in the British Empire, and saw a kind of a trickle effect that this would happen in every single Western nation over the next 50 years. So William Wilberforce, a British politician, was, in- was instrumental, the key figure in ending slavery in the world. And, and so William is not a, he's not a typical patriarch. So all of the patriarchs and matriarchs that we've kind of looked at were church leaders. They felt the call of God, they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and they went into full-time ministry or full-time mission work. William Wilberforce did not. But one thing is for sure, what he brought about was revival. Revival within the British colonies, revival to an entire people group who were literally enchained, literally treated and, and, and labelled as second-class humans. What William Wilberforce did with the power of the Holy Spirit was to bring about a revival. William Wilberforce was a wealthy son of a merchant family who, while at Cambridge University, became friends with William Pitt, a man who would become the youngest prime minister in British history. It was Pitt that would convince Wilberforce to go into politics, and Wilberforce entered the House of Commons in 1782. Does anybody remember that? I, I don't remember it. That was, that was an old joke. Um, in 1785, Wilberforce, who had grown up around, there we go, the murmurs are going, this guy, this guy, <laughs> what's he on about? 
I'm going to shave next week, so I'm going to pretend to be a different person. Um, but Wilberforce, who'd grown up around, so William Wilberforce grew up around Christian influences. He, he grew up with the Christian influence, but never, uh, never kind of followed his faith to the letter. But his grandparents actually removed him from Christian influence because they didn't want to become, and I quote, a faith-filled radical. But on a trip to Europe, William Wilberforce, with a whole bunch of people, had, a, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, had an encounter with God. And it's unclear when, but what Wilberforce describes as an encounter with God, which, which at the time the language that they put around it was a conversion experience, because they had no framework to, to articulate, to define what, it, what an encounter and what it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and in the Anglican church, they would term this a conversion experience. But we understand it, that he encountered, the, he encountered the person of Jesus Christ. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, William Wilberforce clicked over from acknowledging that there is or may be a God to moving into the space where God became real where God became trans, he, he, God transformed his life. He defined his outlook, he defined his choices, he defined his person. And you may be here this morning, and you might, you, you might be in that category, and you might say, look, I, I, I believe that there may be a God. I, I, I believe that there, there, there may be something out there. Well, you're going to have an opportunity at the end of this message to click over like William Wilberforce did and, and make a decision that, that I'm no longer just going to acknowledge that there may be a God out there, but align your life and bring, a, and, and bring the God of the universe in here. And so maybe you're here this morning. I'm going to give you that moment at the end of my message. But from the moment that William Wilberforce encountered God, he was set on two things, the moral reformation of the British Empire and the abolition of the slave trade in all of the British colonies. William Wilberforce would battle for 46 years to see this happen. On the 26th of July, 1833, the British House of Commons passed the Slavery Abolition Bill. William Wilberforce heard this from his house in London and then died three days later, a mission fulfilled. Wilberforce is different from all the patriarchs and matriarchs that we are going to look at because he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a missionary, he wasn't a church leader, but he was a man positioned by God to bring the influence of Jesus Christ into his sphere. And the reason that I chose William Wilberforce as a revivalist, make no bones about it, he was a revivalist, is because he used his position and his placement to bring about the cause of Christ. I believe this, that the next revival will not happen in a church. I believe that the next revival will not happen in a stadium. I believe that the next revival won't happen in an open-air meeting, but I believe that the next revival is going to happen in lunchrooms, in work sites, in classrooms at lunch, in cafes with babies, in prams. God is not calling the church to church people. He's calling the called people to bring people into relationship with him. And I believe that there's people who are going to be on job sites that are going to have meetings around a youth, uh, around a youth, sorry, for 45 minutes and see the power of God fall on that work site. I believe that there's going to be teachers that are going to have 
a, a Bible study with their peers. I believe that there is university students who are going to sit down on a, on a field of grass and see revival happen in their everyday. William Wilberforce was called by God, but he wasn't called out of where he was positioned. He was called because of his position. You might be here this morning and you think, there's no way that I could ever be like anybody like that. William Wilberforce was a normal person. He was positioned in parliament. God didn't take him out of parliament. He used him in parliament to bring about the cause of Christ and to bring about a revival to a whole people. And we are here today to honour him and, and, and to look at his life. Matthew 5, 14 verses, 5 verses 14 to 16, it says this, You... You are the salt of the earth. This wasn't God talking to Jesus. This wasn't Jesus talking to the disciples. This was Jesus talking to you. It was him talking to me. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When Jesus makes this statement, he's not talking to church leaders. He's not talking to pastors. He's not talking to missionaries. He's not talking to to the person that, that has a speaking gift. He's talking to you, and he's talking to me. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Do you believe that when you walk into work? Do you believe that when you walk to school? Do you believe that when you walk to university? I think that we need a revelation that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And every morning before we get dressed, before we brush our teeth, hey, I'm the salt of the earth. I'm grateful for where I am because I'm providing salt to that workplace. I'm providing light to that job site. I'm providing the cause of Christ because I'm here. When Jesus makes this statement, he's talking to the butcher. He's talking to the baker. He's even talking to the candlestick maker. You put your occupation in there. He's talking to you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are deeply, deeply concerned about us. And Lord, we thank you that you have a, you, you empower us. Lord, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit, not so that we can do church good, but Lord, we, you sent your Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered to be influential, to be your witnesses, to be salt and light in the world. And Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, illuminate the parts of us that are caused to impact the world around us. Lord, we thank you that you've positioned us. We thank you that you've placed us. Lord God, I just pray for more opportunities, for more conversations to take place in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in high school, uh, we used to kind of, I used to knock around with this group and like we, we, we were just kind of hanging out for, you know, two years. And then pretty much on the last, almost the th- probably the third last day of school, it was one, one of my friends who d- didn't even, didn't even realise, but he just breaks out, like just pulls out a guitar and breaks into song. 
and I'd known this guy for two years, didn't have any idea that he could play guitar, didn't have any idea that he could sing. And three days before I'm about to, gra- before I'm about to graduate high school, like, he just belts out this amazing tune. And, and I was thinking to myself, how come you didn't tell me that earlier? How come we, like, he had an incredible voice, an incredible gift of, of music on his life, and, and, and it was just kind of ran, this random time that he did it, that, that he just starts strumming the guitar and singing this song, and I was just sitting there in awe. And it got me thinking, how come you've only done that now? Like, I wish that I had have known that you could sing. I wish that I had known that you could play guitar so that I could have listened to you more. And sometimes I think that's how we are as Christians in our workplace. Sometimes I think we want, sometimes people ask us, oh, you know, what are you doing on Sunday? Oh, come to church. What? Church? Um, but you're the light of the world. And what's sad is that in some cases, people find it out way too late. And like that guy that had a gift, that had a talent, that it would have been fantastic to share with everybody for a longer period of time, far too late, they find out that we actually are the light of the world, that we hold the keys to a fulfilled life, to a life abundant, to a life in Christ. And my concern, but also my hope as well, is this, that we don't get too stuck just trying to do our job when we can actually be salt and light in the world. Like, yes, we're absolutely called to do our job. Don't start preaching when you're supposed to be fixing a car, but do your job. But let's actually start to be the salt and the light of the world. Uh, The parable of the talents. Jesus makes the parable of the talents. And I'm going to paraphrase it for just time's sake. Matthew 25, and many of you, if you've kind of grown up around church, you know the story. But Jesus, uh, there's, there's a business owner, and he gives one, one uh, worker ten talents, he gives one worker five talents, and he gives one worker one talent, which was a form of, it was a form of currency at the time. And so, and so the, the business owner goes away, and he comes back, and he says to the guy that he gave ten talents, he's like, you know, what did you do with the ten talents? And he said, oh, well, you know, I've you know, multiplied it, and now I've got 20 talents. And he's like, oh, fantastic, well done. Goes to the guy that had five talents, and he says, you know, what did you do with the five talents? He says, I multiplied it, now I've got 10 talents. He's like, oh, fantastic, well done. He goes to the guy with one talent, and he said, what did you do with your one talent? He said, well, I only had one talent. So I buried it in the ground, and, you know, here's your one talent. And then the business owner says this, you know, you wicked servant, why didn't you use the talents that were given to you to multiply them. And we, we, use, this, we use this story when, it, when we come talking about offering. You know, you need to steward your money well. We, we use it when we talk about time. You need to steward your time well. But have you ever thought maybe you need to steward your employment well? We're called to steward the place where we exist the most well. We're called to steward our worksite well. We're called to steward our bowls club well. Whatever people who are retired, wherever that, I don't know, I'm a long way off retirement, so I don't know what somebody who's retired does. Um, but wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself 
in, in for the most of your time, whether it's at a cafe, whether it's at work, are you stewarding that well for the kingdom of God? Because one day the business owner is going to say, what did you do with your talents? Well, you know, I was at work and was at work. And, and, and I believe that we've missed an opportunity to actually steward the place of our employment well. If you've ever got the chance to watch the movie Amazing Grace, I prepared the mes- this message that Amazing Grace, is, it, was, uh, it was a movie in 2006, 2007, uh, written about William Wilberforce's life. And now it's on my must. I have four movies that I watch every year just for, like, encouragement. The first is Braveheart because it makes me hate the English. <laughs> the second is Top Gun, because one day I'm going to have a body like that volleyball scene. One day. It's aspirational. Um, so many good lines, so many good lines. Hit the brakes and they'll fly right by. Um, and, uh, and I watch Field of Dreams, uh, because... I just, I love that movie. I love Kevin Costner. And then now, Amazing, uh, Amazing Grace is going to be on that list because it's one of those movies that is so inspirational. It's, it's written about William Wilberforce's life. If you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor and download it. It is phenomenal. But there's a statement in, the li- in, in this movie, uh, and, and I don't know whether it's accurate, and I don't know whether it's just poetic license. But William Wilberforce has this encounter with God in 1785, and he is struggling because he's like, do I quit politics and, and, and just serve God? He was a wealthy man. He could, have just, he could have just served God, or do I stay in politics? And there's this moment where William Wilberforce is meeting with all of these people who would become his posse. They would become his friends. And, and they say, Mr. Wilberforce... We understand that you are grappling with whether you can serve God or be a political activist. And this is profound. They said, we believe that you can do both. And you might be here today and you're thinking, can I serve God and be a plumber? Can I serve God and be a carpenter? Can I serve God and be a hairdresser? Can I serve God and be a childcare worker? The same statement holds true. We believe you can do both. We believe that you can do both. And more than that, you've been placed there to do both. You've been positioned there to do both. We need to stop believing that our job is just for the nine to five, and we need to start believing that God Almighty placed us there to bring revival and to bring restoration to a people who would otherwise not hear it. And so if you forget everything else that I say from here on out, remember this. Every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday, whenever you get up to work, you are called to do both. You are positioned to do both. William Wilberforce makes this statement, if you love someone who is ruining his or her life because of faulty thinking and you don't do anything because you are afraid of what others may think, it would seem that rather than being loving, you are in fact being heartless. Think about your workmates. Full of the Holy Ghost. It's not just something that's going to stay in my head. 
Full of the Holy Ghost, it's not just something that's going to stay in my heart. Full of the Holy Ghost, it's not just something that's going to stay in my home. No, 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 it spills over. It spills out. It spills into everything that I do. We need to not be scared of identifying with the God of the universe, with Holy Spirit, and let Him do the work. Now, I'm not saying let's go stupid, but I am saying if you are full of the Holy Ghost, you can't help but overflow Him. If you are full of the Holy Ghost, you can't help but but spill over into others. So I've got three, four, four points, but really three. Um, that's confusing. Uh, let's just go four points just for ease of management. Um, but because I, I, because I haven't preached for three weeks, I'm out of practice, so I couldn't find another P word. Because, like, you know, good preaching is great alliteration, but I couldn't find a, another P word for my fourth point. So it's only kind of like a sub point. Um, you can laugh, guys. It's church. The first one is be prepared. Have a plan. Preparation is one of the most righteous things that you can do when it comes to you in your work environment. One of the key reasons I believe that we hold a job for 20 to 30 years to 40 to 50 years, whatever, is because when we have an opportunity to day in, day out, influence and impact the world that we exist in. Uh, you know, Christ comes into your workplace when you walk in. Because remember, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Um, preparation is a spiritual discipline. To be prepared is a, speci- is, a, is a spiritual discipline. William Wilberforce was prepared. He didn't just go, oh, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's just get rid of slavery. No, no, no. How many know that he would have just been yelled down in the House of Commons? He would have been yelled down in Parliament. But no, what he did was he developed a plan. He was prepared. And so he he would go all across the countryside and start to just do little seminars about the evils of slavery and and about the evils of immorality. And uh, side note, William Wilberforce actually started the RSPCA. Uh, Interesting. That one's just for free. Um, but William Wilberforce went all across England and would just start these little pop-up things. And he would just speak about the evils of slavery. He would speak about, uh, about what the living conditions of somebody on a slave ship would be. And so he amassed a huge following. And for the first time in parliamentary history, a petition was brought into parliament. And they were all like, hang on a minute, what are we supposed to do with this? We don't know what to do with people's petitions. And, uh, and, and so he, he had a plan. He was prepared. Uh, I knew a youth pastor once that would rock up to the school that he was uh, just working with. He'd rock up at six o'clock and he, he just he asked the principal, like, is it okay if I just rock up at six o'clock and just walk the school grounds? I'll pick up some rubbish. And uh, he wasn't picking up rubbish. He would go past every single locker in that school and he would pray over every locker in that school. He would pray because... He, was, he had a plan. He was prepared. He was laying the groundwork. I don't know about you, but maybe it's time that we started praying over every pigeonhole. Maybe it's time that we started praying over every toolbox, over every, every space, every office chair. Let's get prepared. If we, 
You know, this, this, whole, this whole year, it's about getting prepared. It's about being prepared for what God is going to, what we, what we believe that God is going to do in and through us in the years to come. It's about us getting set. It's about us having a plan so that when people come in, everything is in order so that they have the best opportunity to meet Jesus Christ and to start a life of discipleship that is going to then, in turn, bring them across people that are going to bring them into, into this place or, or, or even into a conversation that's going to bring life and light and salt to that part of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15, it says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord all your life. And if someone asks your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Don't just start preaching it, will you? Start a conversation. Start a conversation. Start a prayer meeting. Even if it's just you, start it. Start a connect group in your workplace, whether it's in the car park, wherever it is. Start something that's going to bring light and salt into your workplace. I prophesy this. We're going to see workplace connect groups in the next two years. We're going to see people meeting together for prayer meetings in secular workplaces in the next two years. I prophesy in Jesus' name. And you know what's going to And you know what? I can't do it. Most of my workplace is saved. Uh, most. I'll let you figure out who isn't. Uh, You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Don't think that you're unqualified. Jesus makes you qualified. Being filled with the Holy Spirit makes you qualified. And don't worry if you stuff it up. Don't worry. Jesus is not going to yell at you if you stuff it up. But if you go and start something, who knows where it's going to end? Who knows where this might... One connect group might turn into two connect groups. Two connect groups might turn into four connect groups. How does revival happen? When something starts, and I, I prophesied, I prophesied that we're going to see prayer meetings on secular job sites. I prophesied that we're going to see prayer meetings in high schools. I prophesied that we're going to see prayer meetings on RAF bases, on army bases, that are going to see revival take place. It might just be my favorite quote from Lion King Be prepared. Even though it was said by a villain, Scar, you know, be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared for something too amazing to happen. Like Wilberforce, you are positioned. You are a William Wilberforce. Make no mistake. Heaven ranks you exactly the same as William Wilberforce. Your workplace is your mission field. You are placed there. Use your placement to start something that will see people's lives reformed and transformed. It starts with one or two. First one, be prepared, have a plan. Second one, find partners, do it together. One of the greatest things that William Wilberforce had in his arsenal was an abundance of encouragers, of helpers, and allies. So my call is, let's do this together. Let's do this together. Find somebody in your workplace who believes what you believe. 
partner together, keep each other accountable, pray together, pray over those things together. You, you, you can't do this alone. One thing that all of the matriarchs and patriarchs that we have looked at and will look at have is they had a team. They had people around about them. They had people encouraging them. They had friends with them. They had mentors guiding them. They had helpers that kept them accountable and kept them to action. We read this scripture, Ecclesiastes 4.12 at weddings all the time. It says this, uh, two are better than one for they get a better return for their actions. One can be overpowered, but two can, uh, two can overcome. It's not just true for a wedding. It's true for life. It's true for your call in life that two are better than one because you get a better return for your action. If one falls down, the other can pick the other up. Let's get support from your connect group. Ask your connect group to pray for you. Get them to keep you accountable. Hey, I'm going to start a prayer meeting in my, in my job site today. Can you guys pray for me? I'm petrified. Let's get support from the team. This is the team. Why, why are we having a together again meeting? It's because this is the team. This is the encouragement. This is the allies. This is the, this is the ones who will cheer us on. Don't do it alone. A quarter, three strands is not easily broken. Even if, if you're not in a connect group, A, get in a connect group. B, if you're not in a connect group, just let us know, and we would love to pray for you at our Centro Chapel service every Tuesday. We'd love to pray for you. If you're going to start something in your workplace, let us pray for you. We want to hear about it. We want to cheer you on. We want to pray about it. We want to pray it into existence because you are not alone in this. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to cry with you. We want to hear about the awkward conversations because this is ministry. This is not ministry. That is ministry. When we're about bringing the cause of Christ into people's world. When we're bringing the cause of Christ into people's situation. And just because your title is not pastor does not mean anything. In fact, sometimes it means you have greater opportunity. Pastor Tim would know this. It's one of the most awkward things when somebody asks you what you do. Um, I was, I, last year in the pandemic, I was doing some work for Centrelink, and um, somebody asked me, oh, it's like, it's like, what do you do? Oh, you know, I work with young people. <laughs> oh, you know, I speak a little bit. I, you know, oh, okay. No, I'm actually, I'm actually a pastor. You know what? People didn't speak to me for like three weeks. <laughs> you laugh. It was true. Uh, because people, people don't really know what we do. They find it awkward. It's like, oh, well, you know, are you judging me? Are you, you know, do you think that I'm a, an inferior person? Are, are you, can you see what I've done? Like, can you see the thoughts that I'm having? No, no, I can't. But sometimes you have a greater opportunity than a pastor or a missionary because you're the one that looks like everybody else. You're the one that's in the same boat. And so you have a great opportunity to reach out and to reach people who we wouldn't necessarily be able to reach together, but you don't do it alone, please. We want to know about it. One of the worst things that I think COVID has done in terms of this 
is that there's a lot of people that are working from home, <laughs> which actually, it, it removes opportunity. It removes proximity, because proximity is one of the greatest assets that we have in the kingdom of God. It's one of the greatest assets that we have to reach our, those that, that are around us. We need to be present and within the proximity. That's why we want to gather together, because we all need encouragers. We all need people to equip us as saints to do the work of the ministry in the life that God has called us. Third point, be persistent and consistent. Same message, same message, same message, same message, same message, same message. I had a CD once. Uh, For those of you that are under 30, a CD is kind of like a streaming device. It's like an iPod, but you can only put 12 songs on it. Uh, For those of you that are over 60, it's kind of like a, a record that's smaller. I'm going to Collingwood Park after this, so good luck catching me. Um, I had a CD once. It was by a band called DC Talk. And uh, it's the first CD I ever got. Um, and, but there was, there was this kind of almost a spoken word at the beginning of, of one of the songs. It was this. It says, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their mouth but go out and deny it by their lifestyle. And that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Be persistent and be consistent. Make sure what you're saying doesn't change. Make sure what you're living doesn't change. Let what your mouth speaks, your actions show. Greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lifestyle, with their mouth, and go out and deny it by their lifestyle. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. When I was working at Woolworths, yes, it was a great place to work. I used to work in the fridge section, which was fantastic because every time that I used to get called to go to the registers, I'd hide in the fridge. Because nobody wanted to come in the freezer. Um, but I, I worked with this guy and worked with him for a number of years. And, you know, his lifestyle was very different to what mine was. And, uh, and he knew what I believed. I'd talk to him about it. Wouldn't push it down his throat. I'd just, you know, tell him what, what I was doing and what was happening at church. And anyway, year after year after year probably the most unlikely person to come and ask for anything came up to me and he said, oh, do you believe that God does like miracles? I said, absolutely. He said, oh, what about for people like me? And I said, absolutely. And he said, look, I don't believe, but I need you to pray for me. I've got a, I've got a job offer in London. I've got a job that I'm applying for in London. And he said, Goes, I think you're weird. <laughs> Which that's not a Christian thing, that's just a me thing. Uh, he goes, and I don't understand it. He goes, but I like you and I want you to pray for me. And I said, Do you want me to pray for you right now? And he said, No, 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 no. <laughs> but you know what? 
Consistent. 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 Rock up. Rock up. Have a conversation. You don't need to kind of go through Leviticus with them. You don't need, you don't need to do that. It's just a conversation. So you're there, that you're there. And then they don't want to hear your theological musings. I've never met anybody that came into the kingdom of God because they were so confused. Was it seven literal days or was it seven you know, days that had no kind of 24-hour period? Nobody ever comes into the kingdom of God because of that. Don't let them hear your theological musings. Let them see your light. Let them see your salt every day, every time that you get to work. Wake up. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. It's, it's my time. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to start praying over lockers. I'm going to start praying over pigeonholes. I'm going to start praying over utes. I'm going to start praying over car parks. I've got a plan. I want to read that quote again from William Wilberforce. If you love someone who is ruining his or her life because of faulty thinking and you don't do anything about it because you are afraid of what others may think, it would seem that rather than being loving, you are being heartless. Let it not be said of us that we are being heartless. Let it not be said of Centro Church that we are being heartless. Let's be a church that brings revival to our workplace, revival to the government, revival to the council, revival to the hairdressing salon. Where's the revival coming from? It's not going to come in a stadium. It's not going to come in a church. It's going to come when the children of God are full of the Holy Spirit and are in the place where they are positioned. William Wilberforce had a parliament. The last point is this. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. This year is about prepping in here for what we, you and me, you in your workplace and, and, and us in all of these scenarios are doing so that people can come in here. And maybe you're here this morning. And this seems a bit foreign. Well, we believe that you are not here by chance. We believe that you are not here just because you decided to come to church today, but we believe that there is a God who loves you. There's a God who's got a call for your life. There's a God who has a destiny for your life. And you may not know what it is yet, but maybe like William Wilberforce, you need to shift your life from just believing that there is a God to actually aligning your life with God. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a few moments. But we need to get ready. We need to get ready for what God is going to bring. Who God is going to bring. Let's not just do church. Let's just not rock up. Every time we get here, there's an opportunity to speak to somebody that you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what their week has looked like. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what their family situation is. When you rock up to church, find somebody who you don't know. Because you could be the one that sets about change forever in their life. You might be the one that harvests the groundwork that somebody else has done for years, for decades, because they've lived a life of salt and they've lived a life of light. And then they walk into this place because they said, well, I, I, I don't believe, but I like them. 
And I like how they are and they're consistent. And so I, I don't know where to turn. So I'm going to walk into this building. There's going to be people that walk into this building. There may be people who have walked into this building. I don't know. If you're here, God bless you. We're so glad that you're here. This isn't for us. This is for everybody else. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it spills over. It's too, he's, too good for, he's too good just for me. The Holy Spirit is too good just for me. The Holy Spirit is too good just for you. The Holy Spirit is too good for your connect group. He is abundant. We need to share Him. We need to share Him. And we need to be ready. Let's get ready, church. Let's pray. Spirit of God, I just thank you that, Lord, you've positioned us in the city of Ipswich, in Collingwood Park. But, Lord, you've positioned us in every industry. Lord, in every sphere of society of this great place. Lord, in health. Lord, in media. Lord, in politics. Lord, we thank you that you've positioned us. Lord, in education. Spirit of God, I just pray. Give us the boldness. Give us the boldness and give us the strategy. Give us the plan to start something that's going to cause a revival to take place. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Prepare our hearts for the harvest that you're going to bring. But Lord, carve off those bits that would push us away from connecting with those that we need to connect with. Lord, Lord, do, do a work on our hearts so that we're ready to receive them, so that we're ready to have that conversation, Lord. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to open up the altar just so that we can pray for a few people. Uh, I want to pray for people that want to start something. I want to pray for people that want to start something in their workplace, something in their school, something in whatever it is. Whatever, whatever, you, you fill in the blank. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you generally and then we'll, we'll bring people down the front just so that we can just make that a point of contact and a point of, of receiving from the Holy Spirit. But maybe you're here tonight, this morning and, and you want to start something just with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just I, I, I want to include you in this prayer. If that's you, if you're here and you, you're saying, hey, look, there's something beaten in my chest. I'm ready. I'm ready to start something. I've been waiting, but now God is just stirring something in my spirit. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I'd love to, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray for you. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. Because this isn't just a, I'm just happy to sit here and receive, but this is a, hey, my workplace is a line in the sand. This is holy ground. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Lift up your hand. Spirit of God, I just, you can put your hand there. Spirit of God, I just thank you for all of those people. And Lord, all of those that are going to start something in the next year, in the next two years, Lord God, I pray for divine strategy. I pray for divine anointing. I pray for people to come alongside. Lord God, I just pray that there'd be a plan that's from heaven that Lord would, would, would come to pass. Lord God, I just pray for, for opportunity. I pray for Lord, Lord influence to be able to be expanded. Lord, I just pray that we would just see revival taking place in these workplaces. And Lord, I pray... For those that 
are unsure, I pray you just begin to impress on the Spirit, on their spirit, on their heart, Lord, of the opportunity to start. I pray that, Lord, there'd be providential contacts, providential relationships that take place. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never clicked across that line. You've never clicked across that line from saying, hey, I believe that there is a God somewhere, maybe, but I don't think that He changes my life. He, you know, he's out there somewhere. It doesn't really affect me. Well, maybe like William Wilberforce in 1785, when he had an encounter with God, maybe you need to click over into saying, hey, I believe, and I'm going to order my life based on that belief. If that's you this morning, just with every head bowed and every eye closed for privacy, I don't want to let you leave this place without having you, without giving you an opportunity to acknowledge that. If that's you and you say, hey, look, I want to click over. I want to, I want to identify as a believer. I want the, the Spirit of God to transform my life. If that's you this morning, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just give me a wave and I'd love to pray for you. Love to pray for you. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. If not, we're going to open up the altar. If you want prayer because you want to start something, come down the front. We're going to sing. We can stand as we sing. But if if you want to start something in your workplace, you want to start something in your university, you want to start something in your school, you want to start something in, in whatever club, let's believe. Come on, let's stand and let's sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast.